Hello everybody and welcome to another message by myself, Dave Hull. It's great to finally get some time to share the Word of God with you. Um, this message comes to you from my house during Christmas. Uh, obviously we all are aware that it's been a, a different Christmas than most Christmases has, have been. Um, I'm sure many of us have uh, found our plans changed and that we've maybe had a, a scaled down Christmas. But I just, you know, I hope that whatever you've had, whatever experience you've had this Christmas, you've been able to uh, find the goodness and the, and the peace of God and the blessing of God in it all. Isn't it amazing how that God blesses us and brings good out of difficult situations, brings light out of darkness, gives us something to praise him for, gives us hope, gives us joy. Uh, his, his presence in us is just what is just everything, isn't it? It's what we need. And, and it's so easy, isn't it, to at this time to sort of fall into a, a, a <laughs> relaxing mode as we sort of turn off and unwind and uh, maybe to draw back from the things of God and to maybe not uh, have as much time with him as we, we as we might have done in the past and I just um, but I don't know about you but I feel that that I need I need more of his word and more of his presence even at this time because we're facing things that we've never faced and uh, we're going through things that we've never been through before and and we 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 know that his his word is our food it's our strength it's a light unto our feet and we know that his presence is our joy it is our it is our strength it is our peace and so uh, i wanted to just be able to share the word of god with you so that i can maybe impart some of that encouragement and some of that peace and some of that uh, and some of that faith into your life uh, during this period and um, and also I felt convicted that you know that I went, I needed the word of God in my life and and all of us need more of his word um, and I wanted to be able to just share some of that word with you tonight uh, so that maybe it will stir you on and stir you up to do greater things amen that isn't that what we're called to do to stir one another up amen amen so i'm going to be sharing uh, a message called that i've called the assembly and um, the scripture we're going to be reading from is hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25 so i'm just going to jump into that and read that and then we'll pray here we go hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25 and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Father, I just pray that uh, you would you, you would help us right now to uh, tune in and um, listen and have your heart and have your ears, Lord. Have, have a heart, Lord, that's open to your word tonight. Lord, that we would um, receive from you afresh and that we would be encouraged, as that word says, we would be stirred up, Lord, to be the people that you've called us to be, to be the salt and light of the earth in these dark times. In Jesus' name, we pray you would anoint this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We all know the value of assembling together, but I wonder if you can cast your mind back to the times when you would assemble in school, to the to the assembly that um, we would have every day or every week in school, or the Gwasanaeth, as they call it over here in Wales. 
Um, I can remember, I, as I cast my mind back, I can remember those assemblies quite vividly, uh, particularly the ones in primary school. Um, strangely enough, uh, those are the ones that stand out to me because I do remember that, my, that our teacher during those assemblies, the piano teacher is always the person who's at the front on the, on the piano, yeah? Um, and we're all, you know, we're all sat in our lines and I always try to get near the back because that's where the cool kids sat. Um, and I can remember the day when you, you know, you were allowed to sit at the back because you were the oldest. Uh, I, I have these vivid memories of these assemblies, and I remember my school teacher uh, playing the piano very uh, vigorously and, and enthusiastically, and singing the songs with great gusto. So much so that it would just make you want to join in. And as someone who uh, enjoys singing anyway, I would always be keen to sing along. And I, I can remember some of those early songs, Christian songs, um, like. Go tell it on the mountains, over the hills and far away. and um, Yeah, that's probably the only one I can remember. But I do remember singing lots of Christian-based songs <laughs> and, be, um, and wanting to join in and really enjoying those assemblies. And that feeling of singing together, that feeling of being uh, with my friends, uh, singing along, having a good time, enjoying ourselves. There was a real sense of unity and joy and fun during those assemblies. And maybe something similar to maybe if anybody's been in a choir, that sort of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a real uplifting experience, isn't it, to sing in public together. And then I, if you fast forward 15 years or, or so, um, <clears throat> I can remember being at, being at university in Bangor, North Wales, and being being invited to a Christian Union meeting, and being being in a similar scenario with people singing together um, in a meeting, and that sense of that sense of joy, that sense of uh, of of fun, and um, wanting to wanting to sing and wanting to be part of that came back to me. Only this time it was magnified, and it was the power of the Holy Spirit that was working in my life, and God using maybe those experiences in the past from assemblies but also uh, uh, things that he'd done in my life up to that point which would lead me which would end up leading me to Christ and I can remember singing songs like Jesus lover of my soul and over the mountains and the sea and um, you know awesome songs and shouts of the Lord you know I, I was at university in 1997 to 2000 so that was when all those songs were sort of finding their feet and coming out and there was a great you know there's a lot of good songs from Delirious and Hillsong and um, and we still sing many of those songs to get t today don't we and I can remember feeling ha having that sense of joy feeling that sense of belonging feeling that sense of of God coming and 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 touching me and and working in my heart, and it wasn't long uh, after those experiences, after those times, to, um, being able to being in those meetings that I gave my heart to the Lord in one of those meetings at the Christian Union, and and it was significant, and it was powerful, and the presence of the Lord was there. And I felt, he, I felt him for the first time and I knew that what I was feeling wasn't fake, but it was real. And I know that many of us here can testify to that fact. In fact, I, I remember in, in months uh, after that scene, seeing many of my friends having the same encounter with God in meetings with people 
gathered together uh, when the presence of God came and, and they knew that God had touched their hearts and, and he was real and, he, and they just gave their lives to him in that moment. And um, I, you know, we had a really good time at university and there were significant times gathered around the Christian Union and, and also the church that I ended up spending lots of time at Chris, um, Carnarvon Pentecostal Church. And uh, God was moving, God was working through those meetings. And I know that many of us can testify to the fact that God has moved and touched us profoundly and significantly in meetings and in gatherings as we've assembled, as you've assembled together. I know that many of my uh, most profound encounters, like I say, getting saved and um, other encounters with God have been during times when I've been gathered together. Um, as, and I'm sure many of us can testify to that. And yet here we are in in 2020 and I believe many of us will have attended less services in person than we have online. Many of us will have um, been in, will have not been in church with uh, very much at all. You know, many of us will have just experienced church online and uh, it's it's a shocking thought um, thing to think about. When we realise that actually we, we've, we've not had that experience, we've not gathered together, we've not assembled as we may have done in the past. And I'm also, I'm also profoundly aware that uh, that opportunity of being online has, has opened many doors for us. And, and the fact that online services have reached people that we've never reached before and we've, uh, exp- and we've had... Um, Things happen that we have never happened before. We've we've under, we've developed our abilities to as a church to reach out to to people and to to reach groups that maybe wouldn't have been reached, um, and to do things to do things in a way that we wouldn't have ever dreamt of before. We know I know that many of us, many churches and services have gone on Facebook Live and Zoom and you know doing online services on YouTube and so on and so forth. And praise God for the developments that we've had through online services and the the victories we've had and the positive things that we've experienced through online services. But I don't believe that even though it has been a good learning process and there have been good things, that all of it has been positive. In fact, I think there have been there have been significant negatives about being online. And I know that many people have found themselves unable to engage online due to a lack of technology, due to perhaps not um, being able to do things at the time that it's it's been on it's been um, broadcast or or just not not really enjoying the online experience. I know many people are feeling like uh, they're they're be, you know the whole Zoom experience is very difficult, particularly. Uh, if you if you've got limited technology but they're feeling zoomed out you know they've got zoom fatigue as it were <laughs> people have had enough of just staring at a screen and of co- and rightly so this is not what we are created for god created us for face to face in person relationships god created us to have a relationship with one another not to have a relationship through a computer screen and I think we are all aware of that and we're all, uh, you know, we all understand that. And I realise that I'm just saying things that we all know. But I'm here today to underline and to highlight the importance of assembling together. And the what I believe is the biblical uh, um, perspective of the need to assemble together. 
And what I believe God is saying and wanting to highlight to us as a church. Because I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the pattern that I see emerging through these online services and through uh, people not not um, gathering as, as, as the church when actually they could be. Um, I'm concerned that we are being we are being slowly boiled like frogs. You know that you know the illustration of the frog that if you put it in boiling water it will jump straight out. But if you put it in water and you slowly boil it, you'll be able to boil the frog because it will it will die slowly. And I believe are we slowly settling for less than what God has for us? Are we slowly giving in to a uh, a set of rules and restrictions that actually we were never meant to abide by? We're called for face-to-face, person-to-person, human connection with one another, not online Zoom meetings. This was really highlighted to me through a a moment that I had with somebody recently. I was... uh, was I was in, doing some work for somebody in the garden and they, the, a person just came by and um, dropped by and they wanted to just say hello. And I, I had a chat with them. It was the next door neighbor. And um, and this person, had he, he ended up disclosing to me that he just recently lost his partner during the lockdown and that um, that it was really sort of traumatized him. You know, he was quite an old guy and uh, he was just really obviously obviously upset about the whole thing he was feeling he was feeling isolated he was feeling like uh you know there was a mountain of jobs for him to do and to things to catch up on because the his partner would look after all the sort of detail and more sort of technological things in their lives so he was he was really sort of struggling with with engaging with people online or even even text messages and phone calls he was struggling he's not something that he was able to do so he was really isolated and and I just spent some time talking to him we you know and we just talked for 10 or 15 minutes and at the end of it I just I said listen can I pray for you I want to I pray I want to pray for you that God's peace will come upon you and that you would know his comfort and so I prayed I just prayed a simple prayer you know along those lines and at the end of the prayer I looked up and he was crying and in, in that moment we both took a step towards one another because until that point we had been you know socially distanced and um, we took a step towards one another as if we were wanting to just reach out to one another and I wanted to uh, embrace him and just give him some comfort and it was at that moment that both of us did a check and we went oh we don't do that anymore do we you know we don't we don't embrace like that anymore and of course I could have done and maybe I sh- and I'm looking back I wish I had because I don't I know I don't believe that anything would have happened in that in that moment but uh just just our 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 minds had been trained and had been conditioned by that point to to such a to such a a way of thinking that actually we it prevented us from having that moment of comfort for him and uh and it just and it just really said several things to me it said you know uh it said exactly what i was saying before are we being conditioned to to things and behaviors and um uh, ways of living and doing life that we were never meant to 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 be conditioned to and are we allowing that now to 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 stop us from having the blessing and the uh privilege 
privileges that God has given us in his word and has promised in his word? Is that a, are those conditions now, those ways of thinking, this new mindset that we have due to the virus, is it changing the way that we, uh, the way that we think and interact permanently? Is it having a, a, a negative and lasting effect upon our behaviours? Um, or, 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 or is it not? Maybe it isn't. Maybe this is just temporary. But I, but I want to put that question out there. I want us to be challenged and, and to think about whether these things are actually having a lasting effect upon our lives. And, and the other side of the coin is there that, praise God, that I was, I was, out, I was there. I was at the, p- the right place at the right time. And, of course, we can be the church out there and we can be reaching out. We are Jesus' hands and his feet. And, obviously, church is not just about a Sunday service. It's about, it's about what we do during the week. And so, praise God, that's the other side of the coin. We can, I believe, God, people are, are reaching out for God now. They are hungry more than ever before and and they're looking for people to to reach out and pray to them and pray for them and, and and help them and strengthen them but the question then also i would ask then is is a is that a is that a sort of a person that person i pray for is he the sort of person that may have have gone to a church service if the, if the church services were running at that time you know is he is he the sort of person that i could have invited to an evening service that would have been more evangelistic um, in nature and so on and so forth and I really feel that um, I really feel that we need to be asking ourselves these questions and not and not allowing ourselves just to settle for the whatever the norm or the the, the behaviors that we've been um, sort of led to believe are the correct behaviors during this time so again I want to I want to challenge us and, re- and remind us of the importance of, of assembling together Here's some verses. So, so in, 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 in wanting to do that, here are some verses that, um, that the Bible says about, us, about the joy of assembling together. First one, Psalm 27, verse 4. You'll all be really familiar with this one. Uh, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. One thing I have desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Wow. And to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, in his, uh, in his church, in his, in his place. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul, long and e- my soul longs and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Psalm 107. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the peoples and praise him in the company of the elders. Amen. Psalm 111. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. Psalm 149 verses 1. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. And then finally, uh, we come to Hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25, which was my, uh, which is my sort of key verse for this, for this message, which is obviously, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching.
all those verses prior to the Hebrews verse there really just uh, ex- ex- extol and um, emphasize the importance of meeting together and the blessing of, of being in the assembly. And, and I know there are different ways to interpret some of those verses, but I think that we wouldn't be interpreting those verses in any other way if it was not for the situation we find ourselves in. Uh, for, for 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 the for the for the most part of our lives, we have always interpreted those verses as as an encouragement to meet together in person, face to face, in the assembly, praising God, experiencing His goodness, experiencing His His Holy Spirit, and the the blessing of being together and encouraging one another. And so we come to Hebrews ten verses twenty four to twenty five, um, and I just want to really just underline. Uh, something in this passage which I believe um, is is really important and is is sort of the crux of of my my desire to share this with us tonight because verse um, verse twenty five has the word assembling so do not forsake the assembling of your of your of yourself together that word assemble there is is a Greek word word which means to be to gather together in one specific place you know. It's it's not a, it's not just a gathering online. It's a gathering together in one specific place, in a physical um, place, uh, uh, so that so that you're all together, face to face, in person, physically, in one place. That's that's the meaning of of that word. That word for assembling there, to be together in one one specific place. So. The writer of Hebrews wasn't referring to a virtual gathering. He was he was referring to a physical gathering. Why? Because the Christians of that day were facing unprecedented hardship. They were being persecuted by the Romans and the Jewish community. The Jewish community in particular trying to get them to turn back to their Jewish roots. Um, and the, the, the Hebrews is a, a letter really trying to exhort and extol the uh, the, the Jewish believing Christians to not give up on their on their Christian faith and so and so in amongst all that the writer of Hebrews is saying and don't forget forsake the assembling of yourselves together because if you do then you'll be tempted to turn back to your Jewish faith and you know which is not which is not what Christ has for you which is not what Christ died for the real believing you know the real faith that we're to have is the faith in Christ we're to be Christians we're to be followers of Christ and in in order to do that we need to meet together because and so he was he was saying that to to make to make sure that it says it in that verse that we encourage one another and stir one another up um, to love and good works wow isn't that isn't that isn't that an amazing uh, sort of blessing a promise there from that verse and and an encouragement from that verse that as we meet together we will stir one another up to love and to good works and that's what we need in this time isn't it we need to be uh, to people that love others that love one another and and we need to be and we need to be encouraged to do good works and that's what the gathering of the and, and the assembling is all about that we that we go out during the week and we we do we love people we show the people the love of god we we um we reach out 
uh, to people in, in many different ways and we do good works and then we come back together and we, we encourage one another to do it all again and we get stirred up and we get, we get full of faith and we, we say, hey, you know, you won't believe what happened. I was able to pray for this person and they, they got healed or I prayed for this person and they gave their lives to God. Wow, praise God. And we, we encourage one another with our testimonies and with our words and our songs and, our, and the blessing that we have from being together and experiencing uh, the presence of God. And then we go out and we do it again. And the thing about, the thing about uh, uh, not meeting together is that actually it, 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 it develops, it encourages rather, um, isolation. Yeah, it encourages and it, um, f- and it, and it breeds um, isolation and loneliness and not, be- not that sense of, of unity and, and being together. And I work, in a, I work for a homeless charity and I, and I can tell you that this virus has, uh, has had a massive effect on people's mental health. Mental health is one of the, the, the biggest things we deal with um, in, in the organisation that I work for. The, um, and and the pre- pre- people's mental health has, has gone, gone re- really down because of the isolation that they're experiencing because they're not seeing anybody. And I and I would say that as Christians we can't afford to be isolated because we're not we're not like the world we're we're in a battle we're in a fight and what does the devil want to do to get us to get us to a place where he can take us out where he can um, destroy our faith is to isolate us he cuts us off that's the number one tact- tactic of any enemy is to isolate the weak ones cut them off and you can get them and so. And so that's what the devil wants is to is to single us out and make us feel like we're alone, make us feel that, um, you know, uh, we're not part of we're not part of the this this thing called the church. But uh, and 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 to take us out and to ruin our faith and, and shipwreck our faith. And God doesn't want that. You know, it's, it's during these times of of assembling together that we're that we're able to make connections and feel that there are people around us who love us and care for us. It's you know, it's, whilst we we go to church for the word and for the worship, and um, that's that's a massive part of it. We also go for fellowship. We go to experience that connection with one another. And so the assembling to get, you know, the writer of Hebrews is so emphatic. Do not forsake the assembling of one another together in a specific place, physically, at a specific time. Do not forsake it because it is your food. It is your meat. It is it is the thing that will encourage you to carry on and to fight the good fight and to not give up and to not lose heart. And so he is he is not laying down. Uh, you know the word of God is not made given as an option. There, it's 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 emphatic. This is this is remember this is the Holy Spirit working through men, writing the words of God to the church that was to be. He's saying, "Do not give up. Do not forsake it." Wow, I, I cannot get any stronger than that. And so we see this command, and we see the and we see the uh, the blessings that come with this command through Hebrews ten. Moving on, uh, I just want to cover a few other points about uh, the importance of meeting together. And one of those points is, and I've, I've already touched on it, which is the manifest presence of God. To get As we meet together, we experience the manifest presence of God. And um, Acts 4 verse 31 says this, When they prayed, the place where they were assembled, there's that word assembled there again, um, 
together were shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Okay, so that's Acts 4 verse 31. I'm sure you're all aware of, many of you will be aware of the context of that of that particular passage. It's, it's, in, the, it's in the context of Peter and John having been told not to. They've been brought before the rulers of the, the synagogue and, um, they've, and they've been told not to um, not to preach the preach the gospel or not to talk about Jesus, and they and they defy them. They say, "Listen, you can judge whether whether it's right for us to preach the gospel or not. But for for us, we cannot help but do that. We cannot help but talk about Jesus because it's in us. It's who we are." And they defy them, and and they get um, you know, and and they get in the end they get um, they get released and. Um, they go back to they go back to uh, the church and they they tell them that actually, they tell the rest of the church what happened because the reason that they were dragged into the above to in front of the rules is because just prior to that they seen a guy healed at the the gate beautiful in um, by the by the by the temple there and so so they had seen this great miracle they get dra- dragged before the rulers they get told not to preach the gospel but they defy them and then and then they get released anyway and so they go back and they tell the church and they say look what happened god did this amazing miracle and now uh, you know he's he's using us to preach the gospel and all, so on and so forth and so they the ch- the church then comes together and they pray and god shakes the place in which they are meeting wow Wow, isn't that amazing? They gathered together, they prayed, they worshipped and God shook the room. These are the sorts of things that can happen when we, we come and we gather together. What, a, what an amazing experience. And I think that, that these sorts of things do happen when we're getting persecuted and when we're under trial. And I do believe that this is a tr- we are, as a church, we are, we are in that position. We are facing trials. We are facing hardship. And as we gather together, we can experience the manifest presence of God. It's so important that we get that. What, what do you think would have happened if Peter and John had just said, well, pff, that was a close shave, wasn't it? I don't know about you, but I need to have a lie down. I'm going to go home. We're not going to tell the church what happened. We're not going to testify to the goodness of God. We're just going to go home and have a cup of tea and a few biscuits and just watch the telly and chill because uh, just can't really be bothered anymore. You know, what if they just just said sack it and just didn't bother? You know, then then that moment wouldn't have happened. <laughs> You know, the church wouldn't have gathered and prayed and worshipped. They wouldn't have had that testimony. The room wouldn't have shook. And we wouldn't be talking about it now. And so when we gather together, things happen. God's presence is manifested. And he wants and he longs for that to be our experience today. Not, Not in a few months, not when the virus is over. Today. Today. You know, God's God's uh, uh, a blessing upon gathering is not is not determined on whether there is a virus or not. You know, His commands to us and His uh, promise of of His His presence being manifest is not determined by a virus or by any restrictions that have been put upon us because of a virus. Again, recently I I experienced something very similar to this. The room didn't shake. But my heart was shaken again as I as I went to church for the first time for quite a while. 
Um, you know, church. The church that I've been attending has been on and off due to the lockdowns, but we we had a period of not having any restrictions so we went to church and and the presence of God was powerful and, and I spent most of the service in tears and uh, you know he you know it was a blessing and these are the things that we can encounter when we meet gather together and assemble as God's promise as God's people as his church and again um Another benefit of assembling together that is, and again, I've already talked about this, but I'm going to just highlight it. Faith is cultivated rather than the fear. And I believe that there is there is a lot of fear out there at the moment. There's a lot of, uh, you know, scaremongering by the media and a, and a lot of, um, uh, it's a whole narrative of fear that the government wants us to have because they they they're they're really afraid, and so they want to make us afraid so that we toe the line. And I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to get into you know sort of should we, shouldn't we, and all the sort of ins and outs of the virus and everything. But 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 I do know we shouldn't be given into fear. Amen. I do know that we shouldn't be a people that are controlled by fear and make decisions based on fear. We're supposed to be people of faith. He says, live by faith. Don't live by fear. One, two Timothy one verse seven. I've heard so many people quote this scripture, and yet I see people responding completely the opposite. 2 Timothy verse 1, 7, 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. What a powerful verse. It's a powerful, powerful verse. He's not given us a spirit of fear. So why are we being, why are we living in fear? Why are we fearful of meeting together? What's, what's, what, what are we afraid of? You know, the Bible's clear. He, he, God gives us so many promises that we that you know that we will be protected and safe that we'd have no, we have nothing to fear psalm 91 obviously the most famous psalm that springs to mind in re, in relation to this promises is that no plague shall come near our house no plague psalm 103 says that he declares that he heals all our all our diseases isaiah 53 verse 4 declares by his stripes stripes we are healed Matthew 8 verse 17 says he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. We have these promises to stand on. We have uh, the word of God that says that we're, we're to fear. We're not to fear anything, but we're just that, that no plague shall come near our house. That, that it, you know, a, a thousand may fall at our right, say ten thousand shall fall at our, our left, but, no, but none of it shall come near us. You know. The, the these are the promises we have and i and i understand that the way that they that gets worked out in your life and in somebody else's life is can be very different and um you know our response to these verses is a personal thing and i'm not here to uh to tell us how we should behave but i am here to challenge and stir us up and to remind us of the verses and what the truth of the word of God says. We have these promises and all these promises are yes in Christ. Amen. And he gives us he gives us his word so that it will be a lamp unto our feet so that we will know what to do when the when the when the wind and the rain comes. We'll know how we can stand on the rock through his word. Amen. Come on. Come on. We're people of faith. We live by faith, not by fear. And so when we come together, that faith is, is, uh, uh, is, is built up, it's stirred up, 
it's in, it's it's exercised it's given you know it's it's given food and meat you know you have to when you if you want to if you want something to be strong in your life you have to feed it and you have to exercise it um you know i don't know about maybe, maybe some of us here today are listening to this thinking we could do with a bit of exercise <laughs> Uh, but we need to exercise our faith, amen. And and faith um, is something that is cultivated when we meet together. And finally, one last benefit of meeting together is that we become more like Christ. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, Iron sharpens iron. It is in the context of church that we knock the rough edge, gather church, that we knock the rough edges off one another. And we're built up into the image of Christ upon this earth we disciple and mentor one another and we begin to uh, we begin to be Jesus' hands and feet and to to live and be and re- and react uh, in 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 line with what he is like we ex- we we uh, express and uh, we shine his light we become more like him when we spend time together encouraging one another Matthew 5 Verse 13 to 16 says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be? How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing and should be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We, the church, is the light of the world. It's a city on a hill. People need to be to see the church in action. People need to see and be able to come to the to the gathered church. They need to see that we're people of faith, that we're people um, that follow the word of God. And I understand the the concerns maybe about people uh, seeing things, uh, seeing that actually gathering together is ir- irresponsible and it's not doing our part. But actually, you know, we, we need to listen to what the word of God tells us and obey that and not obey the, uh, peer, the, the peer pressure of man or the opinions of man or the thoughts of man. We're here to obey the word of God. And I believe that as we do that, God will give us the words to say or he'll give us the um the ability to, to to explain things to people so that they'll understand that actually this is not about being irresponsible, but this is about obeying God and offering a lighthouse and a, and a, and a hand and um, an opportunity for people to receive the goodness of God in their lives as we gather together. So what are we to make of all of this? Well, as you can obviously tell, I'm in favour of the churches gathering together to meet and I would encourage us at this time, because actually the government has announced that um, during this lockdown, churches are still able to meet, that we make the most of that opportunity. Um, Now, obviously, I'm not suggesting that we act foolishly and we throw out all wisdom, but that we that we um, do. We meet together, we gather together, um, but we do so with wisdom, that we exercise our faith by gathering together. But we we also exercise wisdom, um, whatever that may be. Um, and I think that's often the way with in, with these things in life, isn't it? That we balance wisdom with faith, um, you know. And so I would urge leaders and ministers out there, leaders of churches, to to gather in this time, to have meetings in this time. It's so important that we as a church gather together. And um, and so I really believe we can do that. I think we can do that safely. I think we can do that responsibly. Nevertheless, we need, and we need to do that. We need to be uh, the gathered church once more. 
because I really do believe that there is there could be a time when those when these rights together uh, have uh, are removed again by the government. They've already been removed in previous lockdowns, and there's no telling whether the government may do that again. And if they were to do that again, then I think the church should be left with a decision to make, um, because I actually believe that that is a, a a breach of our Christian freedoms. It's certainly a breach of our human rights as well, um, and I think that we would have to. I, from my perspective, we would have to take a stand uh, against that because the government isn't there to uh, impeach and remove Christian freedoms from our lives. Uh, th- that is not their role. Their role, you know, their role isn't to to legislate against what the Bible calls holy. You know, their role isn't to to call bad what the Bible calls good, which i.e. meet gathering together. That's that's a breach of that's a, an overreach of their freedoms. That's a, um, a sorry of their their authority. You know, um, Theresa May talked about this in a while ago. While she, uh, when she stood up in and did a speech in Parliament, and she said that it was an excellent speech. She said, the ban of public worship is an overreach of the government's authority and is setting a precedent for future governments who may not have good intentions and will abuse their power. I think that, you know, that that's such a good point and that's such a, a valid uh, and, and succinct way of, of putting, putting this and, and describing the issues that we face because of uh, the, the removal of our right to worship and to gather, you know, it's not that this government may, may this government may not abuse their power. They, it may just be literally they're just gonna. Uh, it's just the lockdowns, and and so okay, maybe that isn't such such a big deal. But what happens um, when there is another issue? When there's another national or global issue that that threatens our public safety and so on and so forth, like this virus? And can I just say that I believe there were there there is going to be more. You know, this the Bible is clear that you know that there there will be trials and tribulations that will face pe- wars and pestilence and. Um, and the sword and and natural disasters and so on and so forth. We will face these things. Jesus warns us of these things. And he says in that same passage where he says, you know, all these things will come and they are just the beginnings. But he says also, he says, will the Son of Man find faith when he comes on earth? Uh, and our response needs to be one of faith to these situations and it needs to be one of not allowing our freedoms to be just taken from us because next time when there is a, a national a national emergency uh, are we just going to allow ourselves to uh, be, the, the the right to gather to be taken away from us again and what other rights will be taken away from us you know let's let's not be foolish about this let's let's be let's be wise as serpents let's not be uh, led down a path that we cannot return back from um, you know, like I said, are we being boiled slowly? Are we slowly having our freedoms removed from us? Um, and for a time when a government who actually aren't interested in the church and actually believes the church to be a nuisance or believes the church to be uh, evil, even um, you know, against what the, against what they stand for, you know, what, what what happens when that time comes? And we find we find find that oh, we've already lost so much ground in, with previous uh, situations, and and we can we can't get it back. So we need to we need to realise that this is just the beginning, and the time to stand is now. The time to respond in faith is now, um, and so so it's really important that we don't allow our freedoms to be taken from us. 
you know, this this is nothing new. This is uh, like the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun. This has been going on for years and years. It does. It had didn't escape my attention that just recently on the 29th of December, it was the anniversary of 850th anniversary of Thomas Beckett's death. Um, Donald Trump talked about it a bit. And um, in fact, there's been mention of it in Parliament as well. Rhys Mogg uh, mentioned it in Parliament in, in talking about this very subject and how Thomas Beckett stood, you know, stood up for the rights of the church and against um, it was Henry the Second back in 11, 1170, and he was he was martyred and murdered for it. You know, Henry the Second was trying to uh, overreach his authority and overreach his um, his rights. To, so that he could almost basically run the church and do what he wanted and not have the church interfering and and he took away the rights of the rights of the church uh, he was trying to and and Thomas Beckett stood uh, against that and was martyred for it you know he, they sent the, they, they sent four knights to the um, the Canterbury Cathedral and they martyred him murdered him there in the cathedral and then later on um, King John tried to do the same thing. And there was a there was a, a big fight and a sort of uh, a standoff between the church and King John, and eventually the Magna Carta was brought into place. I think uh, that was in the 1200s, and that was brought into place as a document that that prevented the interference of kings and governments in the affairs of the church, and it it enshrined the rights and the Christian freedoms of the church to to be able to meet publicly and worship and to to have autonomy really to not be not be uh, dictated to by the government. And that is that Magna Carta not only is for the church, but it's for the common man as well, because the the kings and the governments were trying to rule and um, uh, manipulate and uh, take things from the common man. So, so the the Magna Carta was put in place and was there to protect the freedoms of the church, and the the the, uh, the legislation that's come into place by the government has been an overreach and a breach of that. Of the Magna Carta and of and that really, which is our constitution, it's also been been a, a breach of the European Acts of Civil Rights of Human Rights. So uh, there's lots of things that are wrong with the government telling stop removing our right to worship and removing our right to gather. And Christian Concern have been uh, an organisation that have sort of spearheaded uh, a legal case against the government to to get them to change and to do a U-turn on the on this legislation and on these removals of right of Christian freedoms. And they've managed to get um, have a small victory in the in the, in the sense that the government has now recognised that um, they're not going to they're not going to criminalise people that gathered during a lockdown when they shouldn't be gathering um, so that it's no longer a, cr- a criminal offense to do that um, but obviously the Christian concern are trying to push for it to be you know for the for that for that uh, piece of legislation that says that we can't gather to be removed completely and they have 122 Christian leaders behind them um, and they are you know they're going they're going for it and I just say and I would just encourage us as as church leaders and as church uh, ministers and as and as the wider church to get behind that to say amen to that to pray for that for that action that Christian concern are taking what what a great thing that they're doing there they're spearheading the rights of the church they're acting almost as as Thomas Beckett did they're saying no we're not going to allow ourselves to our our Christian freedoms to be taken from us 
um, because it's wrong. You know, again, it's wrong that the government calls something bad that the, ch- the Bible calls good. That's not their right. Their right, their place is to deter evil, not to uh, <laughs> prevent good. Amen. And it's a good thing that we gather. It's a good thing that the church is able to meet so that it can be a lighthouse and a beacon to those in need. And so, I, I, and so just in, in summary, and, and, as we, and as I close this message off, I, I, would encourage us, I would encourage us all to, whilst we can, meet together, like I've already said. Again, exercising wisdom and faith, not allowing um, ourselves to get off in, in extremes of either. You know, we don't want to be um, uh, so, so sort of blasé about things that we have no um, thing, no safety in place. But we don't want to also be so safety conscious that actually it's almost impossible to meet. So I would, I would, I would, I would advise caution in getting into extremes. Um, but I'd also encourage each one of us to get behind this this action that Christian Concern are are doing are taking up with the government. Um, I think that's a great thing that we can all give our amen to. And I believe the church is essential. A church is not not to be sidelined as a non-essential service, which it has been um, in the past. And we need to stand up and uh, make sure that that the government and that the culture around us begins to see the church as an essential service. To think that it's been branded and sort of categorised into a non-essential service just completely uh, should be a complete wake-up call for us as the church here in the UK that, you know, we're not seen as something that's needed. We're seen as unessential. Well, how can, you know, how can the spiritual and emotional and even physical needs of the of the of the of the nation of the UK and the world, therefore, be unimportant? Obviously, people don't think that that's what they're saying, but they are saying that because the church is there to care for the needs of the people. And so uh, we need to stand up for ourselves and we need to uh, get the get the, the government and the world around us to see us as essential again. And that should be a wake up call to us all. And so, in finishing, I realise that you may not, you may find this uh, to be a controversial subject, and I realise that you may not agree with me on what I'm saying. And if and if that's the case, then that's fine. But I would ask you to to at least take what I've said and pray about it and think about it and bring it to the Lord and see what what He says to your to your heart and to your spirit. Because I, I I sincerely believe that we are we are entering days that uh, are the signs of the end times and and there is more and more of these to come and, and the 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 stand we take now it will be will set a precedent for what for the stand and the and the results and the the future that we have as a church going forward so i pray that um yeah you'll just take the time to to listen and and take on board what i've said today um you know uh each each one of us can only do what we believe is right before the lord um and and as long as our conscience is clear and that's what we've done then uh, you know no we we can't do any more than that can we so I pray this has been a blessing to you and that you have a a fantastic new year going into 2021 and we'll speak to you soon. Take care. God bless.